Hoy. You're listening to Diffuse Tap with Penny Estes and Isla Krem. Today, we're hanging out with Truckcoin Swap CEO and founder, Todd Ziegler, as well as partner, Jimmy Lenz. We're going to have a lively convo about the current state of trade finance, how tokenization can be used to create a more efficient slash transparent marketplace, and how investors can benefit from investing in these tokenized trade finance assets. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hopefully you had some good conversations. We'll start with the event. A couple new faces. So here's what's on tap. It's a fuse tap. This is a weekly event. Uh, we do it every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central. Um, the audience is largely alternative investors across the U.S. and Europe. Um, this is the 151st time we've done this. We're going to briefly talk about the event. We're going to talk about Diffuse. Once that 30 seconds that nobody enjoys is done, we're going to hear from uh, Todd Ziegler and Jimmy Lenz. We're going to tell us what they're up to over Truck Coin Swap. And then we're going to do more rounds of breakout rooms, kind of similar to what you just did, because, well, Diffuse Tap is pretty heavy on the networking. Three quarters of our time every week is small groups of four or five or six, the audience being alternative investor types from us and europe mostly um but we do want you to learn a bit which is why we have folks like jimmy and co on to talk about what they're up to uh for 15 minute fireside chat if you like the networking we also have in-person versions of this the next one is on april 19th this is actually a lunch date just to mix it up a little bit so if you're in san diego mr robert mowry would love to host you uh so come check it out diffused is a fun incubator Diffused, that's not a word. Diffuse is a fund incubator. Uh, we, the primary focus in terms of funds right now is our DD30, Diffuse Digital 30 product, which is an index fund of the top 30 cryptocurrencies that we're in the process of listing. Y'all hear it every week, but we're near the finish line with FINRA and we should be live trading here before too terribly long. So very exciting stuff for us. But that's enough about us. Over to the speakers du jour, Mr. Todd Ziegler and Jimmy Lenz. Have you know, Jimmy is spelled G-I-M-M-I-E. That slide is incorrect. So if anybody's confused, that's what's going on. But maybe just because you're at the top, Todd, would you mind unmuting and tell the good folks a little bit about your background, what you're up to over at CoinSwap, and then hand the mic over to Jimmy. Yeah, absolutely. And a uh, big uh, thank you to Diffuse Tap for the opportunity to to speak to everybody today. It looks like I've got a little bit of a, of, of a delay here, so uh, bear with me until that cleans up. Uh, so my name is Todd Ziegler. I'm the CEO of TruckCoinSwap. Uh, we are a fintech and freight tech company that has built out a settlement platform utilizing blockchain and a digital asset, a, a non-security digital asset, um, to revolutionize freight invoice settlement in the $2 trillion uh, domestic transportation industry. Our primary uh, focus is in the full truckload space. Uh, we'll, we'll get into more detail on how this scales uh, throughout the industry and to other modes of transportation. But just by way of a little bit of background, uh, I am an attorney, a recovering attorney, as I like to say, by, by education. Um, you know, I still go to these transportation conferences and people always ask, how did you end up in the industry? Nobody ever seems to have a good answer for that. Uh, but it is a large industry that I happen to land in. And I've spent the last 10 years of my career prior to truck coin swap, uh, working in various C-suite roles, uh, working with Fortune 1000 shippers, helping them source capacity 
and work through procurement events and those types of things. That's that's where I ran into this problem. Uh, we have a, a systemic trade finance quandary in the transportation industry uh, due to the kind of the invoice facting in invoice factoring regimen. Uh, it's it's an issue in a in a number of industries, and um, I was not a, a native crypto person. Didn't make my first Bitcoin investment till 2017, but I felt that blockchain and digital assets were the only true way to solve this problem. Uh, wrote a white paper, took it out to the University of Wyoming Advanced Blockchain Lab. Uh, we've now got three former staff members from the University of Wyoming uh, on the team. Uh, one is an advisor, two are full time, and uh, the rest is history. We've been at this for about 14 months. Uh, we've got about 350 users uh, ready to go, and the plan is to uh, launch the settlement platform at scale uh, sometime here in the next 30 to 40 days. And the last thing that I want to add before I throw it over to Jimmy, um, this this is not theory. Um, in December, we announced uh, the first ever settlement of a freight receivable on the blockchain. Uh, Governor Gordon from uh, the state of Wyoming was nice enough to throw us a quote. Um, that was a, a transaction that uh, we were able to do for free. Truck Coin Swap does not charge carriers to settle on the platform. And it was a $1,000 freight transaction that uh, the exchange charged our, our customer, our user, a dollar and one cent. To settle that transaction, so that's that's how large the value proposition is uh, that we're bringing to market. Ten bips is not much. I love it, Jimmy. Love to learn about your background because we're tag teaming this, and then how you got uh, hooked up with Todd. Sure. So uh, I'm uh, I, my my background is probably similar to a lot of the folks here. Uh, I come from traditional finance. Uh, I actually traded equities and derivatives. Um, more on the electronic and algorithmic side at a, a number of firms on the uh, East Coast, West Coast. Um, I uh, worked with uh, Cantor Fitzgerald and Jeffries and some places like that, that uh, probably some of you are shaking your head. I um, was uh, also the uh, co-president, chief operating officer of uh, Bridge Trading as uh, it was purchased by Reuters and became Reuters USA. And uh, my last role in uh, in industry, I was the uh, chief risk officer for uh, Wells Fargo Advisors and uh, First Clearing, which at the time was the second largest brokerage firm in America. I was also the chief credit officer and uh, then became the predictive analytics for the wealth side of uh, the bank. I never actually worked for Wells Fargo Bank. Um, I left to uh, kind of pursue a little bit different uh, and use my education for a different reason. I uh, came to Duke in 2019 to start two graduate programs. So I'm here at Duke University. This is really the view out the uh, out of the lobby of uh, the building that I'm in. And uh, I run the uh, Master of Engineering in Financial Technology, which I started, uh, we accepted our first class in 2020, and the Master of Engineering in Cybersecurity. Um, I also run a digital asset lab, the only open digital asset lab in the U.S., and uh, was the uh, one of the founders of uh, Digital Assets at Duke, which has become an annual conference here. And uh, we've had uh, a couple of other events. We have one coming up in in D.C. soon. Uh, and then we'll also be in Abu Dhabi and uh, Singapore later in the uh, later in the year doing events there. Um, I, I met uh, Todd actually through Digital Assets at Duke. Uh, he was a um, he was a speaker uh, and he and I started speaking uh, before the event. And uh, I was kind of enamored with what they were doing. 
um, being a, a finance uh, guy and uh, understanding you know, what the, the problem was, but I didn't understand the magnitude of the problem that TrekCoinSwap was looking to uh, looking to solve. And when you look at the transportation industry in America, I mean, it's a $2 trillion industry. The, uh, the portion that TrekCoinSwap is uh, engaged with is a $500 billion in year, in year industry made up of over a million small companies. Uh, and so, I mean, talk about your, you know, Im- impact on GDP and supply chain. This is this is really literally where the rubber meets the road uh, because everything in America is delivered by a truck. I know the puns will just keep coming. <laughs> but that's my background. Uh, and, and as I said, I think the, you know, what, what we're looking to solve here, um, as Todd said, could really only be done with digital assets. Um, trying to do this with fiat currency just wouldn't work. Um, the, the other thing is, uh, I am a professor. I, I do a lot of research and things along those lines. And while we have the kind of the financing aspect, um, the kind of the other side of it is, uh, with, uh, with all of this information with these, these transportation companies that are, uh, that we're working with, they are, um, we're, we're collecting a lot of data in the background. Um, so, we have our own proprietary technology that captures the information on invoices, and uh, that does give us a, uh, a nice insight into uh, quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of data that is not normally available. Beautiful. Well, we have a lot to talk about in this in this place. Maybe we'll start with something pretty basic. What is broken with trade finance today? And uh, I might toss that right back at you, Jimmy. Okay. Uh, well, I think the, the, the biggest thing is, um, for those of you who don't realize this, um, in transportation today, in particular trucking, payment terms are typically 60 to 120 days. The, um, the, the kind of the, the larger the uh, receiver, the worse the terms are. So it could be out 150, 160, 180 days before somebody gets paid. As I said, this is made up of a million small businesses that uh, with six trucks or less. That's the that's 90% of the fleet in, in the United States. And uh, so a small business just can't wait two to four months to get paid. And so what they're doing right now is they're factoring uh, their invoices. And um, you a lot of you are probably familiar with this, but basically they're financing their invoices and they're selling them at about 96 cents on the dollar. Now, 4% doesn't sound like a lot on the gross, but that ends up being about 25 to 35% of the net revenues because this is a pretty thin margin business. Um, so for uh, these, these transportation companies, they're giving up 25 to 35% of their revenues just to get paid. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a pretty big problem. Um, you know, that ends up being about $20,000 per truck. So if you owned three, four, five trucks, we're talking, you know, some serious money, um, enough money to buy another truck, um, get engines overhauled, things like that. So it's it's a significant amount. And right now, um, there is very, very little competition. There's there's 50 companies doing factoring. We were at Mid-America Truck Show a couple of weeks ago, and there were probably over 30 companies there advertising factoring. But they all basically do the same thing. They're buying invoices for 96, 97 cents on the dollar. And, mm. um, and, and there are really some onerous, onerous uh, hoops that these truck companies have to jump through to, to get that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll also add on to that, Jimmy. Uh, if, you, if you're if you a trucking company or a third-party logistics company or a broker, and just, just to kind of put this in context, those 1 million trucking companies that Jimmy just referred to, 100% of them are factoring every invoice. 
and 65% of every brokerage and third-party logistics company in North America is factoring 100% of their invoices. Uh, so this is an enormous sandbox. It's, you know, kind of the, the, the TAM is, is in the trillions, but, you know, our target user, the sandbox that we're playing in is about $500 billion a year in, in commercial paper transactions. Uh, so there's just, uh, there's, there's just a ton of pain out there and a, and a ton of opportunity. $20,000 a year per truck to some of these businesses. Um, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. That's a new engine. That's a family vacation. That's a week right. off. Um, and ultimately, you know, the larger problem, and we talk a lot about this in, in terms of, you know, macroeconomics as it relates to, to the blockchain and, and digital assets, this artificially increases freight rates, right? If you have to absorb these additional operational costs, somebody's ultimately got to pay in addition to the carrier. And ultimately, what that results in is a higher cost of goods on top of inflation, right? If 72% of everything that we consume in North America moves on a truck, that means every, every product at every grocery store is going to be more expensive because there's all of this usurious financial waste in the supply chain. So um, to Jimmy's point, this is the only way to disintermediate the problem. Uh, we've we've proved concept on that, you know, settling the the first transaction on the blockchain in December. Um, and we're just, you know, we couldn't be more excited, uh, you know, to be a first mover in the space. That's exciting. Um, well, let's go a little further into that and then we'll jump into the questions in the chat. Um, so put some meat on that. So what, how, what are the actual interest rates that are being charged? 20, 30 grand, it, it really adds up. But like what you said, usurious, what's the number? And then it's a sort of related question, so I'll double barrel you, and this is to Todd. Why blockchain? Why not SQL Server? What What is the actual um, inherent advantages of doing this on-chain versus just being a trusted intermediary? Yeah, those are great questions. So so the annualized interest rates, again, Jimmy Jimmy touched on this. So typically, uh, industry-wide, it's about 3 to 4% of gross is what these companies are paying on every receivable for factoring. If you break the math, math down on that, it's typically a 25 to 35% annualized interest rate, right? Which is really, you know, a payday loan, hard money loan type rate, despite the fact that there's almost zero risk on this paper. Like a lot of this commercial paper is, is from Fortune 1000 shippers and payees, right? Walmart's not going to default on a load of potatoes. Um, and so, you know, if, 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 if you say that, you know, risk should correspond with the interest rate, industry-wide, the default rate on full truckload paper is somewhere in the ballpark of 1.4%. In addition, these carriers are forced to sign these draconian factoring agreements. Most of them are 20 pages plus. Uh, they have UCC liens filed against their trucks. They have to sign personal guarantees. The banks and intermediaries cross-collateralize their business assets, cross-collateralize collection rights and future receivables, which makes it very difficult for them to get out of these agreements. Uh, so it it really is usurious and, and draconian. And I, I just I have to bring this up. I mean, I, I hope I don't see any eye rolls, but you know, the trade finance problem goes all the way back to Hammurabi's code, right? Like 3,000 years ago. Hammurabi's code kind of fixed trade finance in that 10% range. So we have really devolved uh, in, in terms of trade finance, specifically in the transportation industry. When we're charging these, you know, these people were essential workers who saved all of us during COVID, 
right? And they're paying 25 to 35% annualized interest rates to get their paychecks advanced to them. I mean, it's it's really awful. In terms of blockchain being able to solve the problem, uh, one, one nugget I want to throw out there really quick is today we're going to be talking about two digital assets. We're going to be talking about uh, the, the TCS token, which is currently listed on two exchanges in 80 countries. But we're also going to be talking about the security token uh, offering that we're building on the back end, right? If, if you kind of think of Truckcoin Swap as, as, as a restaurant, we're tokenizing the front of the house and we're tokenizing the back of the house. Um, so uh, really, the, the only way that we can provide this type of value proposition to the industry Returning them 100 cents on the dollar, uh, allowing Truckcoin to be a profitable company as a fintech and freight tech, and then simultaneously, you know, creating opportunities for accredited and institutional buyers of security tokens on uh, blockchains like Provenance is to create the business and revenue model that we have created. And it is unique in the world. We don't expect we'll maintain first mover status for long. We think we'll see competition in this industry. But we're also hoping that you know we're we're kind of motivating and inspiring other builders in the space to solve these same types of problems in related industries because factoring is not unique to transportation. Oh, fascinating! Maybe a few questions around um, your business and revenue model. Maybe we'll we'll start out with something around the liquidity pools because that's usually kind of a challenging bit to put together. How, how have you thought through that component of this factoring business? Yeah, and I'll, I'll take that in reverse order and then I'll throw it over to Jimmy because yeah. he's, he's, he, he's our guy. But uh, uh, when it comes to the, the security token, um, the, the liquidity pools are effectively provided by L2s, right? There's companies like Hamza Pay out there uh, and those, those liquidity pools are created in advance. So let's just say we're bundling um, 90 day pay term freight receivables from fortune 100 companies, right? That's going to be a, a security token that's going to be sold mm-hmm. at, at provenance, for example, right? That liquidity pool would be pre would be created by the L2 provider before we actually monetize the asset on the chain. Uh, so, so it's, it's a relatively straightforward process when it comes to the security token. When it comes to the TCS Polygon token, and I, th- I think we'll probably get into a little more depth on uh, uh, regulatory uh, issues as well, but we, we do refer to, to the Polygon token as a non-security digital asset. We're borrowing Chairman Gensler's um, words on that one. Uh, but, to, but to create the market uh, for the Polygon token, it's it's not unlike Bitcoin or Ethereum or anything else. We, we have to use centralized and decentralized exchanges. We have to have market maker partnerships and we have to build the market. Um, and we do that in a way to, to maintain regulatory compliance with the guidance that is out there. We do that by focusing on our user, right? And our user is the transportation industry. Uh, we talked to some some whales in the industry early on and we said, you know, what would you need to see in order to make a buying decision and, and participate in the ecosystem? And they all told us the exact same thing. They said, don't advertise to us, don't solicit to us, don't cater to us. If we see transportation companies taking settlement in your Polygon token, and we see a real world Main Street use case being utilized in the industry, we're going to participate. Uh, so that has been our our focus, and that's why there hasn't been a, a substantial amount of trading volume early. 
because, you know, we're not live to the transportation industry yet. And kind of an interesting tokenomic parallel, you know, with, with Bitcoin, you had miners bringing the Bitcoin supply cap to market, and you still do, right? Miners bring uh, Bitcoin to market. Uh, in our tokenomic model, we have transportation companies bringing the token to market by taking settlement and then divesting to get to, you know, USD or uh, Canadian fiat or or maybe a stable coin or, or, or maybe they dip their toes in Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera. Uh, but they are bringing our supply cap to market. So if you go to buy, if, if you want to buy, you know, the, the TCS Polygon token 30 days from now, you're effectively only going to be able to buy it from a transportation company who's selling on the other side of the transaction. So the tokenomics are, are kind of neat in that respect. And we ultimately believe that's going to help us make all the markets that we need to make. Awesome. Jim, you want to go a little deeper on that as well? Like what is what is the revenue model towards uh, TuckCoinSwap itself? Like how's the share? Who's paying what? Like who are the various participants? What is the, the nuts and bolts of how to interact with the marketplace? Yeah. It's it's based it's it's uh, it's it's you know this, and this is what everybody uh, sometimes struggles a little bit. We're basically like a central bank, um, so we're we're, we're using uh, tokens as a as fractional currency. And so, if um, when when we give out uh, when we give out tokens to uh, buy an invoice, they can immediately be sold for a hundred cents on the dollar, right? We we're maintaining uh, a a dollar parity so that. Uh, the transportation companies can sell that immediately, 100 cents on the dollar. Where's that fine? Where's where does that money come from? Well, it comes from two different places. One, um, our our liquidity pool uh, at Truckcoin Swap, but also from the market. And so, uh, in modeling this out, you know, to start with, uh, we're going to probably end up doing a fair amount of it um, with just two or three percent participation from the market. Well, that two or three percent is basically profit for us, okay? Because those uh, are are, are uh, coins that are being sold um, by the uh, by the transportation company. But when when we're actually buying those, we can take some of those from our you know our treasury. Um, we can we we have a limited supply of uh, coins, and so as this becomes more and more prolific in the industry, what has to happen? Well, the value of the the, the, the coins has to rise because we're keeping these at parity with the dollar. So. Because there is a limited supply, it will push the uh, push the value up a little bit uh, as you know as time goes on, and there are fewer uh, coins in circulation. That gives us the opportunity to uh, that gives people the opportunity to to invest in this and to make a little bit more. And so it, it's really a fractional banking um, type of uh, type of model. It's not one that people normally see because our reserves are a hell of a lot higher than Bank of America, right? Bank of America's reserves are about six percent. Ours are about ninety six percent on uh, as far as you know for right now, and so people that are are familiar with that uh, see that. And then, as I, I mentioned before, you know one of the, the other kind of revenue stream comes from the data. Um, so we do collect a lot of data in the background, and uh, and that's you know that's something that uh, that I use for you know for everything pretty much I do. And so uh, that is another source of revenue uh, is uh, is the ability to uh, to leverage that data. In a couple of different ways, and just just to put a cherry on the top of that, Kenny. So we we've developed our own proprietary mobile and web app, and this is I, this is not a new system. We're not reinventing the wheel. It's the same type of app that the banks and factoring companies are using now. So now, if 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 you're one of these one million um, trucking companies, or you're a three PL or a broker, a load is delivered, the paperwork is uploaded into the proprietary mobile and web app. 
it lands where it's supposed to land, and and that's what initiates the settlement process. So all of this commercial paper is ultimately flowing through our proprietary and mobile, our, our proprietary mobile and web app. So uh, that's rich data. Um, it's monetizable, not just in terms of understanding freight rates and freight lanes and commodities and who the payees and payors and counterparties are, but also the pay terms for the shippers and payees, right? Um, that data is very valuable to a number of companies who sell data uh, related to uh, determining credit risk, right? Uh, so there's a lot of rich data involved in this process, and our, our app is capturing all of it. I love it. Well, unfortunately, we only have 15 minutes, uh, and we've taken 19, but that was really good. Uh, just a teaser for everybody, but we will pop into breakout rooms now. We're going to find the right side. A couple housekeeping items, same as every week. Uh, networking, not pitching. Please be respectful of that. Be kind to one another. Um, politics definitely doesn't go down super well in these rooms, so uh, be cognizant of that. We do not do a full participant list uh, just for privacy reasons. So if you meet anybody, swap details right then and there. If you think you might be able to do something with them uh, or join the Telegram group, introduce something. It's good. It's good sized community and pretty lively conversations, especially if you're looking for connections. Ayla, you want to give folks topic? Yeah, that's right. So it's interesting. We just love to chat about what kinds of trade financing, where the real value is and, and who would benefit most. Of course, you guys are looking at transportation. Um, what are some other areas where this type of trade financing solution could surprisingly really add a bunch of value? Um, if you have any experience or any thoughts on that, uh, please go ahead and share that in the group. I'll pop you into rooms now and we'll see you back here in about 10 minutes. Welcome back, y'all, and a special welcome back to Todd and Jimmy. And I forgot to warn you guys, we always ask the same question of you while Isla is furiously reshuffling the rooms, which is tell us the future. What are you excited by? What's coming down the pipe? And the audience is here looking for alpha, whatever they call it. So you get bonus points if it's something they maybe haven't heard of before. Uh, maybe because I think, Jimmy, you didn't get quite the amount of airtime. You want to uh, jump on that first? Coming, coming down the pike. I mean, that's something that uh, I'm, I'm, we're always looking for. And it's interesting, right below, right before this, I uh, met with a group of PhD students that are in um, mainly in biomedical engineering. And they are, uh, these are like fourth year PhD students. So they have probably a year left before they finish their dissertation. What are they looking to do? Get into uh, high frequency trading. Um, they are bored as hell uh, being in, in, in the area they're in. And so I think the application of other sciences uh, uh, kind of across the across the, the realm in finance is becoming more and more common and there's more and more interest. Um, for those of you um, who read uh, the, the Jim Simons biography, um, the man who, what is it, the man who reinvented Wall Street or something like that, um, that uh, you know that that app that early application of you know mathematics and things like that to, to trading um, is is continuing, and so I I think that what we're we're going to continue to see, and, and that's you know kind of trading related, but I think product development is becoming uh, more and more interdisciplinary. People are more open to using uh, various sciences for very very different applications. So I'll give you another example, just. Um, just uh, in the past probably four months, I've been working with the ophthalmology group at Duke Health. So Duke Health here in North Carolina is one of the biggest healthcare providers. And we have a, a big uh, you know, research hospital here at on campus. 
But, um, but the ophthalmology uh, lab was very, very concerned about the images that they take because you know they're taking retina images, which can be used for identification and all kinds of things like that, and keeping those secure. And uh, sticking on a CD and sending them, uh, you know, hacking with somebody is not the most secure way to do things. Besides, how many people have a CD player um, on a computer that was built within the last 10 years? So um, they they so they came to me and said, hey, you know, we're thinking about another way to do this. Could we use like an NFT to burn the images? And just and so those would be locked away. There would be a public key and private key that would control the transfer of that kind of information. Uh, we just finished a paper. It's being uh, reviewed in one of the peer review for the, one of the peer review journals right now. But that idea of having somebody from, you know, a, a handful of people from the medical school, a handful uh, or a, a one guy from computer science, another guy from engineering collaborating. I think we're going to see a lot more of that kind of thing and products coming out of that that are pretty unique. I love it. Interdisciplinary is, well, let's face it, that's where all innovation really comes from, <laughs> at least the groundbreaking stuff, right? Everything else right. is optimization. Todd, anything you want to add on there? I think, uh, Jimmy, that was really left field and I really appreciated that, but anything? <laughs> on? Uh, I just want to thank everybody again for for joining. Um, you know, this is uh, this really is the Satoshi thesis, right? You know, the the point of digital assets and blockchain is to disintermediate costs, improve payment rails, and ultimately improve the quality of life for small businesses, households, and consumers. I think as an industry, and again, I'm I'm coming from the transportation industry. So when I say industry now, I guess I've I've got to be careful. But in the digital asset web three blockchain industry, I, I think we've gotten too far away from that, right? Um, you know, we've got people solving, you know, one percent problems. Uh, we've got people focused on, you know, rampant speculation instead of, you know, trying to to stay true to the Satoshi thesis and and actually, you know, solve financial problems. So I'm glad to be a part of a, of, of a build that's, you know, singly focused on that point. And I just hope we see more of it, because if we do, uh, regulators and lawmakers and, and all the skeptics will actually start to see the real use cases and how they're impacting people's lives. And I think that that's the best thing this industry could be rallying around right now. The, the, the one other thing I would um, I would add to that, and this is for everybody here, and, and you can throw rocks at me if you want. Um, <laughs> the, the one thing that probably concerns me more than anything else is um, the way that innovation is being disincentivized here in the United States. Uh, you know, we're seeing it through regulatory means. We're seeing it in the courts. Um, so it's not just, you know, digital assets and, and, and crypto and that kind of thing, which I, I think is, is uh, totally incorrect. But I mean, we're seeing it in other things, too. There was a ruling uh, just this past week, uh, a federal judge down in Texas basically put a company, a, a medical company um, on the, you know, on the rails. Some of you probably know about it. Um, you know, those kinds of things are, I mean, we are seeing uh, things starting to move offshore. And, you know, America was founded on innovation. Um, we should be, to me, um, up in arms about it. We should be incentivizing innovation at every turn, at allowing people to innovate, allowing people to invent, allowing people to fail. Um, I'm a huge believer in the capitalist system. And when we start intervening in companies, uh, when we start intervening in markets and people are sitting on the sidelines, it's it's troubling. It really is. Um, as I said, for myself, you know, some of the things that are happening uh, with uh, with digital assets is, is worrisome, but I think it goes way beyond that. Um, and, and I feel that every day. My friends here in academia don't really feel that, 
But as somebody who uh, ha- is a patent holder, somebody who's has created a lot of things in the uh, in the finance space, it's uh, it's troubling. It's truly troubling to yeah. say. I gotta say, probably eighty percent of our conversations have some flavor of hand wringing about the U.S. regulatory uh, approach to to innovation. But Ms. Isla, I know we're a little short on breakout room time. You want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll pop you into a really quick and a short one. And uh, maybe the last question we can discuss is uh, what returns would make it worth it for you to participate in this liquidity pool and provide liquidity for something like trade finance on the blockchain? I'll pop you into rooms now and we will see you back here in seven minutes. All right, we'll do a quick wrap up and let you out of here right at the top of the hour. If I can find the, there we go. Up next, this is a weekly event, like I said, next uh, next week's Shorting Crypto. So uh, doing an on-chain and other options. So come check that out. Diffuse staff in person, April 19th, San Diego. Be there and then do join the Telegram group. Uh, Jimmy and Todd, would you care to plug your pluggables? What do you want the audience to know? How can they find you? All that loveliness. Todd? Yeah, uh, check us out at truckcoinswap.com um, or or social media. I was just sharing in, in the room that we've got a number of user testimonials on the website. We've got our own podcast. There's a ton of information there for anybody that's interested. Um, and, you know, certainly uh, more than welcome. And, and Jimmy and I would both appreciate it if, if you want to contact or, or reach out to either one of us. Uh, we're on LinkedIn and, um, you know, happy to, to chat about any of this stuff. Absolutely. Uh, more than happy to uh, to connect with anybody on uh, Twitter or LinkedIn or any of those kinds of things. And uh, I am looking forward to, uh, to to following up with several of you. Uh, I have my own website, um, like all professors, jimmyhlens.com. And so there's some of my research and that kind of thing if you want to see it. But uh, you can uh, connect with us on truckcoin.com uh, at truckcoinswap.com. And uh, we are we are very available. Awesome. Thank Thanks you, for the opportunity, by the way. This is This has been awesome. Yeah, Good. thank you very much. Hopefully something comes up before you. And thank you for sharing some of your wisdom with the group. And thank you, everybody else, for being here. And we'll see you in about 23, or nope, uh, six days and 23 hours. Unless, Isla, did you have anything else you wanted to? No, that is all it. Right. Really appreciate your time and see you all next time. All right. Have a good one, folks. Talk Bye. to you. Bye. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time.